Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive. Today, my guest, Jerry Krochak with Country Thunder. Well, good morning, Jerry, and welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Dave. Uh, terrific to, to reconnect with you after all these years. Yeah, no kidding. So, <laughs> First, before we do that, uh, can you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do? Uh, my name is Jerry Krochak. I'm the Director of Marketing and Media Relations with Country Thunder Music Festivals. We have events in Arizona, Saskatchewan, Wisconsin, and Alberta. Jerry, I think uh, you talk about reconnecting. I think the last time I remember seeing you might have been you uh, in a record store in the lower level of the Galleria here in Regina. Man, you know what? I always, I always like to stay connected to my vinyl. So when I was a kid, I worked at a record store as well as at the Leader Post. So you and I would see each other in the cafeteria when you were over at CK Radio. Yeah. Uh, I'd always had great conversations. You were always a very creative mind. So... Uh, and yeah, I've, I've I've stayed in uh, you know I've stayed involved in music in some capacity, in one way or another for pretty much my entire my entire life. And and uh, now rather than working at record stores, I own a couple of them in Calgary, turning up records in Hi-Fi, which my girlfriend calls a vanity project. It makes me angry, but I have to. <laughs> I have a whale of a record collection. No <laughs> doubt, no doubt you do. Yeah, yeah. You've always been uh, the music guy for sure. <laughs> So tell me, how did you get involved with Country Thunder? Well, oddly enough, um, you know, through friends and through business, um, uh, a great friend of mine at the newspaper, and we started there when we were kids, um, Kevin Blevins, he was the, he was the um, managing editor at the Leader Post. Uh, well, I was a music columnist there, and uh, I also worked on the reader sales and service side. That was another another thing I love is the obviously the the media business, and I, I loved hard copy newspapers, and now I love online newspapers. But so Troy and Kevin, uh, Troy Ballhofer, who's our owner and executive producer, they had been friends since since childhood. So within about 15 minutes of meeting Kevin, I had met. I met Troy, and uh, as Troy was starting his production business, uh, you know, and, and putting together tours for everyone from early on, the Backstreet Boys and and Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rush, and a lot of major artists, I was covering those bands. Uh, uh, so, you know, we, our paths would cross even after he had moved to Nashville. And certainly when they reinvigorated the festivals in Saskatchewan, um, um, Country music had, had left the Craven Valley for a few years in favor of Rock in the Valley, and then in '05, you know, Troy had Troy's production business had blown up. He was living in Nashville, and he always wanted to do something to give back to give back to his uh, the place that's the most special for all of us, and that's still Saskatchewan, specifically in Regina. And uh, so, in '05. You know, against the will of a, uh, or against the suggestion of a lot of people, he wanted to reinvigorate country music in the Craven Valley, and, and so begun the Craven Country Jamboree. Um, everybody knows that that took off and and continued the tradition that's made it the lo- the longest running festival in any format is right there in Saskatchewan. There's no festival in North America that's been been running longer 
with some form of a festival or another uh, than the Craven Valley. So um, after after obtaining the Country Thunder franchise in Wisconsin and Arizona in 07, uh, we started, uh, I came on board in uh, about 2015 and I became the GM of, uh, of Country Thunder Alberta. That was the fourth festival. And then we pulled them all together by doing a rebrand and a and changing the name in, in Saskatchewan to Country Thunder Saskatchewan. So, and for a whole bunch of reasons, buying power and the ability to share assets and, and things like that and, and how we design the sites and so on and so forth. So that's, that's the, the, the real abbreviated version of, of how things got started with Country Thunder and, and how, I, how I became involved. Uh, there were already three festivals up and running and very successful by the time I came aboard uh, first as a GM and then after one year in Alberta as the GM now now working uh, with all four. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's kind of the story. Well, that, that answers uh, one of the biggest questions I had because I've been um, wanting to talk to you for quite some time because this year uh, that festival here in Saskatchewan at Craven was rebranded Country Thunder and it was like, well, why? And, and um, but, but it makes sense that it be, it, it just got um, enveloped by the bigger brand that you already had working for you. Yeah, was, it was, it was easier to, uh, it was easier to rename one than to rebrand the other three as being Country Jamboree events. But, uh, uh, it was interesting to see people's perspectives thinking that some, you know, some new owner from the U.S. had come in when, in fact, it was the same group of posers all along, right? A bunch of <laughs> Canadian buffoons uh, and the same people that were involved from day one. Um, so so yeah, what, ki- ran- what kind of yeah. conversations or what kind of, um, I guess, uh, questions did you have around changing that brand? Because it is well-loved and I guess, uh, obviously, it's the longest-running festival and it's been the jamboree for a long time. Was there any well, doubts or hesitations to do that? Um, well, our, our executive producer is a little bit of a traditionalist, but he's also uh, a pretty forward and innovative thinker as well. Uh, we had had the conversations uh, many times, and you know, you have to go back to the very fact that you know the festivals that have been on site there have undergone a number of changes from the days of being uh, the Big Valley Jamboree. The Big Valley Jamboree was the first one and I remember my parents going to that uh, in the very early 80s uh, and knowing that artists such as Johnny Cash and George Jones and Waylon Jennings and some of the greats I mean when you look at country music royalty they've all played on that site of course it went through the change uh, to Rock in the Valley later on that was about you know a three or four or five year uh, classic rock festival then came back as the Craven Country Jamboree, which had a little bit of a nod to tradition, but was also another name change. Um, The Big Valley moniker, um, they actually had two festivals back in the early 90s as well, and that's where Camrose came from. But uh, so to to kind of bring us into 20 to 2017 this year, although he is a bit of a traditionalist, uh, we had talked about. Um, this for a while and we know that in Saskatchewan uh, uh, we don't necessarily like change (laughs) we thought if we we did it correctly and um, you know 
rebranded at a time when we were going to, in effect, rebrand the entire site. Um, it all kind of came together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so all of the assets that we use on site, we use at all four festivals. Um, um, take that and take that into consideration along with the ability, uh, you know, to buy multiple to buy multiple shows um, with with certain artists. It all made sense. The timing was right. And I think we did a good job of kind of unveiling what people can expect from the Country Thunder brand in the Craven Valley for many years to come. I think 2017 was a real, real strong uh, coming out year, if you will. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and maybe it already is uh, becoming quite a, um, a strong brand for you as people maybe want to visit other festivals and know that you know it's well put together it's gonna what to expect and 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 maybe even the same for artists yeah it's um the brand the brand is uh certainly better known in the u.s than it is in canada but it's certainly gaining momentum we're just getting ready to go into year three of country thunder in in calgary that's a city festival it's a little different from our other three camping festivals but again we kind of you know the artists certainly know what Country Thunder is, and now that the fans, now that the fans do, we have some fans that actually go to all four festivals, which is, which is kind of interesting. I guess you have to have a lot of spare time and a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of extra money kicking around if you're going to be uh, kind of like a, the equivalent of a country music deadhead over the summer months. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, again, the timing was right. We made the, you know, we made some major, major changes. Uh, you know, doing the infield in um, in sod, which is basically the size of two soccer pitches, uh, two hundred thousand square feet of sod. It's a beautiful green concert bowl, and then paving paving the main street area and new washrooms and, and making sure that we're keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses and being uh, not just keeping up with the Joneses, but being at the forefront of creating a festival experience. And that means above and beyond who's playing on the, on the main stage. Um, you know, it has to do from the time they uh, get in their cars and, and, you know, what are the options of getting out to the site and then, uh, the presentation of everything that's happening from the time they get there till the time they go home and hopefully with a big smile on their face. It's yeah. all about creating an experience rather than just, uh, you know, a multi-day concert, so to speak. Yeah. I'm interested. What are the challenges beyond, I guess, the infrastructure that you have to build and create for these events of, of just even marketing um, a festival of that size? Well, I mean, you have to you have to do do the best job you can of identifying who your audience is, uh, maybe who they've been in the past and who they're going to be in the future. The country music format is the widest it's ever been. Uh, I don't really recall, you know, 14, 15 year old kids listening to country music. When I was that age, I was too busy listening to Iron Maiden records. But taking into consideration that. Mm-hmm those kids might not be listening to terrestrial radio and they're listening to uh, Spotify and they're listening to uh, satellite radio and they're getting their information on events through almost exclusively social media. You have to take a look at, you know, what vehicles you're going to use and, and, you know, allocate budget to each of those areas. I think for any good festival, the, you know, your overall marketing plan is going to be a real balance of, of traditional media, um, 
you know, a lot of new techniques with social media and what's now, you know, bingo buzzword being alternative social media and, and come up with that package where you're going to be where you're going to be getting to your fans as well as potentially drawing some new ones. And and uh, make no mistake, each one of these festivals has its own personality, its own, um, you know, its own people's ideas of what it is. Um, the one thing that hold in common is uh, they can expect top-notch entertainment. And, uh, and from there you build it. And, uh, you know, like I say, each one's a little different and each audience is a little different. One thing that music festivals or music in general does that I, um, a lot of other um, areas don't, and I, I think it's probably natural for music, is that partnership with radio and figuring out, you know, I guess uh, it's, a, it's usually a win-win. Uh, what are the challenges working that closely with radio and, and, and partnering with them? Or do you partner with them? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not even right there. Well, we do partner with, we do partner with radio and um, yeah, people who listen to country music radio tend to be country music fans, <laughs> and uh, and and many of them like to go and, and, and enjoy live live events. I mean, music in general is it's a thing that brings people together, and it's a I mean, the joy of music and what you see at the music festivals is it's no secret the you know what brings people out and, and why it's it's to have a great time when you're outdoors enjoying music in a festival setting, um, and you get nice weather. There's nothing better, and you also get kind of an experience at a at a at a music festival that you don't necessarily get with an arena tour. In Saskatchewan, we saw some crazy stuff this past year with uh, you know Gwen Stefani dancing wildly at the side of the stage watching Blake Shelton. We saw Keith <laughs> going to the beer gardens in the wee hours of the morning doing a 15-minute version of Cocaine while standing on stage smoking a cigar. Dallas Smith up there belting out Soundgarden covers and people are sitting there going I can't believe I'm seeing this that's the fun and and, and uh, spontaneous nature of a festival that, that really sets it apart um, in Arizona we had Low Cash go out into the campground do a pop-up concert and again people going those guys sound exactly like Low Cash and uh it created a minor. Uh, it created a minor fun riot, but it was hilarious. And those are the things that set you know music festivals apart. Uh, I'm sorry, I jumped off topic. Your original question pertaining to radio. Yeah, the radio partners are are instrumental in these festivals, and uh, we uh, you know we we partner with them. However, we you know we we consider ourselves to be inclusive and not exclusive. So. In certain markets like Wisconsin, you know, we work with what's approaching to be um, 12 country music stations between Milwaukee and Chicago, and um, everybody knows that we all that we all work together, and there's all there's all a you know a piece of a piece of the action for everybody. In smaller markets, you're maybe working with one or two majors, and then some that are from outside the market in Saskatchewan we market all across Saskatchewan and we work with stations big and small from Regina to Saskatoon and beyond um, you know in Alberta we do a lot of work in Edmonton we uh, um, you know we work with uh, the partner station of our main of our main radio uh, radio media sponsor in Calgary um, and it's the same in Arizona um, yeah 
country music radio listeners tend to be our people. Jerry, when you were talking about the Gwen Stefani moment and the low cash moment, what do you do? You guys do like that stuff um, gets spread out just naturally. Do you do anything to fuel that or to make it even uh, to, to to promote it even further? Uh, no, you know, with somebody like Gwen, and I mean, she showed up to two of the festivals this year, unbeknownst to us. I mean, that's their business. That's their life. Yeah. But watching what I, I called the prairie paparazzi onslaught, uh, <laughs> um, it, it was in Craven, especially, I mean, you just don't expect to, to see this in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, at a festival site. And, uh, I mean, it really, it creates a major challenge for us on a, on a security side, but, um, you know, they're, they seem to be really kind of laid back, laid back folks and, 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 and getting a small glimpse into, um, their, their private and, and personal life with, uh, Gwen's kids along. It was pretty heartwarming to me. It makes, uh, uh, I, I, I observed purely by accident, um, um, Gwen's kids hiding around a corner as Blake was getting ready to go on stage. He's getting himself psyched up and he's getting ready to walk out to the stage and the kids jumped out and, you know, scared him. And, uh, and he, you know, he grabbed the kids and, and, and hugged them and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> it's like a, it's like an athlete getting ready to go onto the field and these kids jump out and, and, and scare the daylights out of them. It's really funny. Um, but, um, yeah, they're people too, and they like to have fun and they like to have their family along, but we're, we're typically not privy, nor do we really care about, you know, what it's our job to make sure that their private areas are, are kept private when they're, when they're on site and getting ready to do the show. For sure. I just more wonder like, um, you know, those stories of the band doing a pop-up concert in the campground, will those, will those become part of the lure and the, and the, I guess, allure of coming to those festivals in, in the future or at the moment? We, um, we typically will get tipped off because, you know, in some of the larger markets, what happens is a radio station will, you know, see if it's something that they can make arrangements to do. And, and maybe it turns out to be at a winner's campsite. They won't they won't know that the artists are going to show up and they won't know who it is. Um, but in Arizona, because I got tipped off where it was, I certainly made sure that all my media were aware. And I said, well, I'm going to take you. Uh, um, meet me at the golf cart in, you know, 30 minutes. I'm going to take you something that's going to be a pretty good photo op. So I, I got tipped off in just enough time to make sure that I get <laughs> off the press over there. But I, I think, you know, when they're spontaneous in nature, like Washboard Union, Washboard Union just got a ride out on a golf cart, got jumped out and started doing an acoustic show in the, in the campground in Saskatchewan. And it was terrific. Yeah. It was spontaneous and real and fun and and really sent people for a loop. And, uh, um, you know, th- those guys love music and they love playing music and they thought it would be a good idea and it was not something that was pre-planned. I think you're going to get situations where you're going to get some of each, but the fact that these guys are willing to, to go out in a campground and uh, you know, start drinking a beer at a campsite and playing a few songs is is a pretty cool thing. Is there um, when you're when you're planning a festival? I'm sure you're well into next year for uh, all of these festivals. 
Um, and uh, you were saying earlier off before we started talking that you got some announcements coming up. Is that is that the first step in the promotion of the of the event for 2018? Uh, well, yeah, sure. I mean, you have to have you have to have your acts in place before you've got. Um, you know, anything to really start marketing to some extent. Um, that being said, uh, our executive producer and our team uh, that we work with, uh, in some ways, these guys have to be, guys and girls have to be almost clairvoyants um, to, to be putting a lineup together sometimes 12 months and beyond in, in advance of a festival because we were planning we hadn't even played 2017 and we already had 2018 headliners in place. Mm -hmm. We announced Luke Bryan in Saskatchewan. We, we announced Eric church, uh, in Alberta. We also announced Luke Bryan in Wisconsin to, to be able to do that and have, uh, you don't need much foresight for those type of headline acts, but it's the up and coming artists where you really need to get out in front of who's going to be recording in the next, six months when that album's going to drop you know what the buzz might be on that artist um in some cases i mean in terms of thomas rett for example who become one of the biggest superstars the fastest rising superstar in country music um or, or what's you know what's known as pop country or however you want to term it uh thomas rett was was uh, i i was bugging troy you know saying you have to be a clairvoyant when it come when it came to this guy because uh, we had booked him as a headliner in uh, Arizona and Alberta uh, and Wisconsin for 2017. And, and from the time we booked him to the time the show happened, he had shot to superstardom and turned out to be like we broke attendance records in Arizona with Thomas Rhett as well as our Blake Shelton night. So, you know, that speaks to timeliness and planning the the stuff doesn't happen by accident at all every act in every scenario in every market is very very well thought out they have to be available they have to be available at a price that works within the budget and um and uh you know then we have to you know we have to figure out where to slot them and, and how it's best going to work for the festival ultimately it comes down to the fans i mean you know we have to we have to try and understand in each market what they want to see, and we listen to them when they let us know through social media. Sometimes we just flat out ask them, "Who would you like to see?" Hmm. Um, outside of Garth Brooks, we'll do our best on just about anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. So there you go. You just gotta chat Garth out and shout out. out. But he's gonna do one this year. Now, you've been on both sides as the music writer or reviewer and now as the, I guess, promoter. Uh, what kind of lessons have you learned uh, being on this side of the fence? Um, well, honestly, the the first, like the larger U.S. festivals, I work pretty closely with, uh, with the press on site. So as soon as they get on site, when a lot of them... We've done a lot of the marketing uh, in advance, and we've done a bunch of uh, press in advance. On site, I get to kind of hang out with those people. Um, typically, people will find me in the 
in the press trailer, uh, and I'll take the photographers out for the major for the headline acts. Typically, we have a you know two songs, two songs front of house or in the pit, so you get to know them a bit. And probably a, a nicer compliment that I got paid my first my first time in Arizona was they said you seem to really know you know what our requirements are and. and <laughs> And uh, I kind of chuckled to myself. Um, I try and treat those folks the way I wished I would have been treated every time I was covering a <laughs> festival or a, or a large-scale event. But uh, uh, one thing I will say about country music is um, it, it tends to bring out – I don't know if it's my imagination, Dave, but uh, it appears that the people across the board, whether it's radio, record companies, uh, agents, management, the artists themselves – um, probably maybe the nicest group of folks um, in the music industry and that's just my own personal opinion and and observation after you know about two and a half years working on the working with the festivals so you know from that end it's uh, from that end it's been a pleasure and again you know it goes back to the old rule you know to treat people how you how you how you like to be treated and you know, I, there was nothing worse for, you know, nothing worse than going to a festival site and having people get in the way of me doing my job. Um, and we kind of have a mandate with our press. Don't get in the way of journalists and TV folks uh, doing their job. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I guess the, the, the product is probably the key for any festival. If, if, if you don't have the product, you're just not going to get the crowds. Have you ever gotten to a point where you just you, you're you need to sell tickets or um is, is that work really done in putting together like you said the great experience and the great product yeah i mean the it all begins and ends with those with those entertainers and and our group does a fantastic job i mean certainly partnering with william morris within um you know within the framework of the parent company uh gives us the ability to you know to sign the artist that, that, that we need. Um, while it's true that, you know, I think in any format, there's only, in terms of bona fide major, major headline acts, um, that number is relatively small. So when you book a Keith Urban or a Luke Bryan or Blake Shelton and somebody says, well, geez, you know, they were here five years ago. Well, that's about the cycle that that you're going to come back around on with a superstar act um, to come to your festival. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's there's only so many. There's only so many at that level. So once you book them, then the job becomes absolutely um, using every vehicle that you've got um, to market. And as I said, you need a real balanced approach to be successful, in my opinion. And um, and then creating that experience on site. And that's where, you know, that's where people like, you know, the site people who get the site ready, the, the site people and the stage people are probably maybe the most unherald, unheralded when it comes to the spotlight, but easily the most uh, important uh, to go out to a site that's got nothing on it and create a city that's going to engage and excite people and have them participating in a in an entire you know four five six days of of entertainment, uh, right down from uh, you know food and beverage and uh, activities and activations and the way that the place is set up and the flow of the park. 
to me, those guys are the stars of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching the stagehands set up the stages, it's like the most efficient anthill in the world. Um, I, I'm blown away every time I watch, because I'll walk out onto the main bull and watch the steel going up, turn around, go do something else for a few hours, come back and see, you know, this monstrosity of a stage, um, you know, going up. It's really, really incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, I consider those guys to be the stars of the show, sometimes more so than than the people playing on them. Yeah, no kidding. And it is it it is fascinating how 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 much they even shape the event in in where things are located and how the flow of all, all the traffic goes. So. Yeah, people show up and people show up. Everything's already there, but they don't know what it took to get it that way. I mean, that's the biggest biggest lesson I learned going from covering entertainment events uh, on the media to now working with the event is uh, is uh, showing up in the middle of an empty field in Arizona and then seeing this incredible temporary coolest city in America go up and, and you know and that includes the electric thunder giant circus tent which is kind of an EDM uh, it's an EDM uh, dance tent uh, that that complements what's going on on the main stage and you know it's so gratifying to see the joy that these events bring people when they uh, you know when they show up and and they've got their camp they, they show up they set up their trailer or their or their tent or their campsite and to, to see them uh, participating in the weekend and knowing that you played a small role in this this uh, this great experience they're having you know so many of these campers you get to go out and meet them and you know they well we've been here seven years in a row and we've already got our tickets for next year and yeah and uh it's, it's pretty cool it's pretty gratifying jerry i really appreciate you uh taking some time and chatting with me today i have one last question for you and that's uh you know how how's the record business these days um you know what it's uh <laughs> like any fad because <laughs> you know it, it swoops up and then it kind of levels off but probably speaking of gratifying one of the coolest things that we see is it's this it's the kids getting their parents back into vinyl so uh, <laughs> that's exactly what happened in our house <laughs> a young girl brings in her mom and mom is buying Bon Jovi and Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> and, the, and the young girl's got Beatles revolver on her stack and I'm always thinking, well, there's hope for there's hope for kids, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, music and its formats. Uh, um, you know, I always I always tell people that I love music far too much to ever listen to an MP3 because I prefer vinyl to anything, and I always have. But uh, as long as people are, uh, you know, listening to music and going to events, and yeah, that's the thing. I guess I guess music is always going to be the thing that's going to fuel me personally. So, to be able to make to make a living and be part of it, uh, um, yeah, the record company can have its ups and downs, but uh, I'll, I'm going to continue to be there for the long. <laughs> Well, it's great to catch up with you, Jerry. I'm glad yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're uh, still still heavily involved in music. <laughs> what else am I going to do? <laughs> uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Let's stay in touch. For sure. Yeah.